Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Piron. Here's something I now realize about the nature of practice, thanks to my conversation with Brittany Ernst. Practice is CrossFit. CrossFit is practice. What's CrossFit? Well, Brittany's going to explain it to us because she does it and does it very well. In fact, coaches others in CrossFit training. But it, it's finding the ways that you can develop your physicality and all the aspects of your life that go into it to become more well-rounded physically in a fitness kind of way. And uh, and practice is that way. The more we develop our strengths in a particular practice, the better we are at developing strengths in other of our practices. Crossfit. <laughs> and uh, Brittany is uh, a terrific example of someone who believes in it and thrives because of it. So here is my former student, Dr. PhD Dr. Brittany Ernst. Folks, this is Brittany Ernst. She has been in our podcast two, three times. I've lost count because she keeps changing. And one of the major themes of the look that Peter Vale and I have given to practice is that change is not only constant, but accelerates and changes why people have to apply themselves again and again, sometimes as a fresh beginner on something that they thought they know a lot about. And uh, Brittany, it's good to see you. Uh, you have succeeded in finishing your uh, leadership development program in human resources at Travelers. You are now a regular employee. And we said just before I started recording, Brittany, I think this is the first time you haven't been in some form of school all the way to a PhD in the leadership program since you were maybe two or three. How far back did you start school? Yeah, probably about that. So long time. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you know, we had to work hard on you to get you to the level that you are now. Um, and, and then soon people will be whispering postdoc in your ear or whatever but uh, right now dr ernst is one of my former students and a friend and someone about whom i'm extremely proud but here's something i want to focus on peter and i've said in one of the conjectures that we have more than one practice going on sometimes more than we can count but the fundamental definition or a way of thinking of practice is where i want to start Brittany, because you've chosen one called crossfit and we said Practice is the conscious ability fairly consistently to produce intended results. Now, before I read on, CrossFit intended results again and again and again, but, and to do so across a range of circumstances. So you've started conditioning when you were a softball player at CCSU, or maybe even before that, you know, lifting and and tuning yourself up for high uh, athletic uh, accomplishment. So circumstances have changed. And I could say that when you were in your leadership program of travelers and all that sitting and 
being on Zoom or Skype all the time, uh, you could get kind of lazy and just want a nap. <laughs> but I'm going to guess that you decided that was not going to be the way you're going to stay conditioned. And then, and this is the part that I really know about you, to do so while growing and changing oneself to meet the changing circumstances in which one's practice exists. So when we talk now about CrossFit, growing and changing yourself is about why it, you're doing it, isn't it? So please tell the folks what CrossFit is. I thought it was something, you know, like a, a bow and arrow or, you know, a, or a shoe. <laughs> uh, so I think the, the nice thing about CrossFit, they're very big on definitions and measurements and um, defining the key term. So what CrossFit is, is constantly varied functional movements performed at relatively high intensity across broad time and modal domains. So that's kind of the overarching, there's a lot of pieces in there. But when you think about what that really means, uh, one of the core tenets of this sport is that it is constantly varied. So rather than specialize in one specific thing, like if you're a runner, all you do is run. Or if you're a soccer player, all you do is play soccer. One of the really important things about this sport is that it's constantly varied. So you do everything from running to pull-ups to weightlifting to push-ups to swimming to biking to whatever um whatever you can imagine really whatever they can uh, instruct people to do in or outside of a gym so that's the constantly varied part and another big piece is the functional movements so the idea behind the sport is that every movement should be able to translate to something in your real life so the idea of squatting is you know, you can sit up and down out of a chair or <laughs> off the toilet or, um, you know, if you fall to the ground, you should be able to lift yourself up off the ground and um, remain independent throughout your life. So a lot of the movements are focused on those type of everyday activities. Um, so constantly varied functional movements across broad time, modal domains. So the idea is that there's short workouts, long workouts. Um, the different modes are things like running, gymnastics weightlifting. And then the last piece is at a relatively high intensity. So that's meant to be specific to the person. So if I were to do a workout, my level of intensity would be different than you doing that same workout at your level of intensity. I can we guarantee you that at, would be true. <laughs> <laughs> we could both do it at our own relative level of intensity. So that's kind of the definition and how each of the pieces break down. Um, and that's why I really like this sport because it can be adopted and customized for tailored for any individual with any type of fitness or just like overall health goals. That's a great way. And also sort of a, an enormously important metaphor for all manner of practice, because what Peter and I have said in both in the podcast, when you were one of the first persons we spoke with while he was still alive and in the book, it, the person uh, chooses the practice and then chooses which, what the results is they're working for and then chooses whether those results uh, are sufficient to be competent and satisfied in that particular practice. And maybe they can allocate energy and time to something else. But the key is that they we rise to a level of our choice. Now, it sounds to me overall in the CrossFit that you want to keep increasingly uh, achieving results 
that um, aren't singular in one way. Like if you were just lifting weights, you'd have huge muscles like I do. And this, and this amazing, you know, <laughs> those went quite a while ago, but now you inspired me. I've got to start building them up again. I guess my point is uh, being so silly, Doc, is that it sounds to me like there's a sport here, but you are making a lot of the choices as to which of the activities you're going to spend time on. Or is there some kind of a a book that says, okay, now you've got to run and now you've got to swim. And now how does that work? I, yeah, I think a big part of my practice of the sport would be focusing on things that are not a strength for me. So I might be really good at um, lifting heavy weights, for example, but I, I'm not very good at running long distances. So then I can recognize that gap and spend additional time or intentional additional work and effort to try to improve that skill so that I can stay good enough at every little piece um, rather than really good at one and really suffering in a different area. The idea is to stay really, really well-rounded and really balanced across all of those different domains. So, that's so you make that choice. You you look and say, okay, I can lift a lot of weight right now. We're talking about that. But I also saw that I'd like to be a better runner. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you're going to run, uh, you know, run and run and run until you are also a champion runner. You may be a champion weightlifter, but you may not be a champion runner. Is that okay? Or do you have to be a champion in everything? Yeah, the idea is you can't really be too, you you can't, I don't think you can be a champion at everything. (laughs) You just have to be good enough that you're, so typically in a CrossFit event or competition, there's, it's not just one event, it's three or four or five or 10. So even if you excel in one area, if you are not really strong in another area, your score can kind of balance itself out as long as you're middle of the pack in everything. Usually those are the people that win who are pretty good at everything and not really, really good at just one specific thing. So I think with similar to work too, like in in my role in HR, there's a lot of different things that you have to be pretty good at. You could specialize in one very specific area, but in a huge organization um, with 30,000 people, you know, it's it kind of benefits you more to have several different skills that you're pretty good at rather than one specific area that that's the only thing you can do. Yeah. So I think that that's what also draws me to the sport. It's just that general approach of being pretty good at a lot of different things. Yeah. No, that's a good advice for all, all of us. But I wanted, you mentioned keeping score. Is there a, a CrossFit association in, in which you are uh, filing your results uh, in, in sort of an overall comparison with others? Yeah, there's that's exactly what there is. So once a year in February, they have a worldwide open competition that anybody in the world can sign up and pay $20 to compete. And the global headquarters releases usually three to five standard workouts. So they'll mm-hmm. say the workout is go run a mile, do 100 push-ups, and then do 50 pull-ups. And everybody around the world does that same exact workout and submits their score into an online portal. And then you get ranked globally um, for everybody across the same exact standard um, measurement. So it's really cool because that's how you can gauge, okay, I did really good on this part, but I wasn't so good on this part. And that's how you can kind of evaluate 
where you're at and rank your skills relative to other people to see what you need to work on or what you don't need to work on if you're already really strong in a specific area. So that's a really cool thing about it too. They're big on measurement and standardization and giving people the opportunity to participate in one standard event um, every single year where you can rank yourself by age group or by country or by gender or by um, a whole bunch of different things. By age as well? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I were to sign up in February, <laughs> first after the laughing ceased, you know, that they would say, okay, well, yeah, he is, he is almost 80. So maybe we'll let him, you know, oh, be, yeah, be compared to, with PD, people in their 80s. <laughs> I think the, the 60 plus division or the 65 plus division, which I don't know if that would be fair, but. <laughs> well, I was 65 once. Right. Um, <laughs> I like the way you made the segue to your work in HR and in then back to the CrossFit. Uh, one of our conjectures um, got at the question then, if we have multiple practices, are we aware as practitioners of our ability to sort of wick off the benefits of each practice? I said in the podcast and then in the book that Taking up golf at, I think I was 77 or so when Peter and I first started collaborating, I took up golf. And uh, I used to say, I think my discipline now of going out every morning, no matter what, and playing nine holes of golf is helping me in other ways. And Peter would kind of chuckle and say, yeah, you, you, you're certainly getting used to learning how to fail. <laughs> you know, he, he was teasing. So I asked him, okay, so you talked a lot about sailing, you know, when in the books and, you know, uh, did you, do you see anything now in your state of life? And he was in tough shape physically, but not mentally, uh, where the, your persistence in sailing is somehow fed into your ability to stay um, positive in, in your current circumstances and he said definitely but i haven't sailed in maybe 40 years but i still feel it so back to you (laughs) the crossfit how is it helping you overall and at the company and and bought a new house you've got a lot of a lot of newness there is the crossfit helping support some of the energy you need in those other endeavors yes definitely um there's two different ways that come to mind right away but the first is so i participate in the sport but i'm also a coach in the sport so i lead people through these classes um in my gym so people will sign up and show up for an hour and i'll walk them through a workout give them instruction and teach them the proper mechanics and kind of motivate them through the workout and i think that has helped me so much at work in the sense that um it's kind of like a leadership position, I guess, or just kind of influencing people in general. Sure it is. Yeah. Um, so if I were to go and try to lift a weight by myself, you know, maybe I can lift 200 pounds, but if I'm coaching a class and I can teach everyone individually how to lift hundred pounds and there's a 10 people in the class, then a thousand pounds gets lifted, which is more than me on my own. So at work, um, I talk a lot to my manager and my manager's manager about leadership and enabling results through other people and kind of draw that parallel to you can only do so much work on your own, but you can teach other people 
the skills or enable them to do the work. And then all of a sudden, the exponential amount of work gets done as a result. So um, that's definitely one of the big, the big parallels. I love, I love that. That's that's a terrific analogy, and and it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think the second one is just confidence in general, and being able to, in in a, sometimes at work, you know, you have a big presentation or a big meeting, and it can be intimidating, or you're on Zoom, and people, um, I don't know, it might be a little bit of an uncomfortable environment, but typically I just imagine any of those people walking into the CrossFit gym and everybody's kind of on the same playing field and it makes it a little bit less intimidating because yeah. even if someone has, you know, a certain level of power or authority in the workplace, everybody is also just a human being. And, um, it's, it's not so scary if you just imagine working out with that person or knowing that what I'm capable of and the, the, strength in the gym, I think definitely translates to a sense of uh, confidence at work too. I think it, it washes back too, because give yourself a tremendous amount of credit. You've earned, you took yourself pretty much directly out of undergraduate school and earned a master's and PhD before you were age. What, when you earned your PhD? Before 25, I think. 26. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, that in itself was a big lift. And it wasn't just finding an easy program and, and sailing through. We found a very challenging program in our field of organizational sciences uh, with the intention of learning enough so that when you do and now you've done go to work in a in a very large complex organization of particularly where in your studies, I recall virtual or remote uh, leadership was just a, a, an idea. And then <laughs> bam, a few, a few months later, after you uh, finished that program, you were only working remote. And, right. and that took, you know, that would have been an easy time. This is maybe before you were heavily involved in CrossFit, or maybe you started it in North Carolina, but it would have been an easy time for you to say, oh, my goodness, I, I could have gone for a faculty line somewhere. and I'd be part part way toward, you know, finishing an assistant professorship. Instead, here I am in this uh, op totally remote life. I haven't even had a face-to-face -face conversation with the people who I need to serve or who, who hired me, I'm out of here. You know, you were renting at that time. You didn't own a house. It would be like, I'm gone. How come you stayed? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Maybe had that same experience. I don't know if that, those thoughts really went through my head. I just felt like the company was so, um, I don't know, compassionate feels like a weird word to use for a big corporation, but they were committed to honoring every single person's job offer. They went really out of their way to make sure that I was set up remotely and the team members that were checking in with me constantly as they were also trying to figure out on their own mm -hmm. how to work remotely. But just the sense of commitment to their employees really stood out to me. I had friends whose job offers were pulled or who were laid off during that's right that they were doing period. that back then yeah um, so it was a really really different experience and i think especially for a company who like you said this was very very new to them they were a little bit more 
traditional in the sense that every single employee was in the office five days a week before. So it was very different. Um, But I think the, they made it work and they made it work in a way that made the employees feel like they were respected and valued. And you can definitely feel that even in a remote environment. So I um, definitely felt like it was a good place to stay and the culture was strong and it wasn't something that I was willing to, I, that I wanted to just you know leave and try to find the next best opportunity. Um, I could tell that there was something something good there, and it turns out there was. So it's only it's a great that's a great testimony to to corporate culture of of a, of a positive kind. And of course, you know, I have had and have a lot of regard for travels and, and have urged a lot of students to, to to go to work there because I believe they have a, they have a real opportunity to to learn and grow you know back mm-hmm. to our original way of thinking but what did you learn about yourself during that period similarly to what are you learning about yourself now as you're putting yourself through more and more efforts in the CrossFit world what what's what's new about Brittany to you I think the other thing during that time um when we were working fully remote I did start going to a local gym here and had the face-to-face interactions with people and built the relationships with people and had a sense of community. So I think I realized that it's really important to have some element of face-to-face social relationships and, and yeah. contact. I think yeah. you know some people were doing like virtual, uh, either workout at home or do virtual workouts on a YouTube video or something. But I think it was really important to have that balance of sure we work from home, but in the morning is when I go out and travel out to the gym and actually interact with people in person and have that contact and meet people outside of work. So I think I realize that that's something I need in my life to have that balance. It can't be all one or the other. Right. Um, and that has definitely continued. Like I think the way that we're working now at Travelers having some face-to-face interaction and some remote work that balance is what really works well for me personally too and same thing with crossfit and with working out most days of the week maybe four or five days a week i go into the gym and work out with my friends and with other athletes but a couple of days a week i'll stay home and work out by myself in the basement um but i don't think i could do all one or all the other i need the balance of both of those things so you learned a lot about yourself, but I knew you when you were very active in leadership of your softball team or in my classes. You, you, um, you do have um, a way with people and like being with people, and that it's kind of a win-win for everyone involved. Now, in the last few minutes, because I want to get you back to making a living, <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned. Um, the gym uh, would you like to give them a plug <laughs> sure <laughs> um so this gym is silk city fit in manchester connecticut it's owned by um, a married couple who are both full-time police officers so hmm. they do this purely out of passion and just like an enjoyment of the sport and wanting to serve the community so really great people and it's a really awesome gym Wow, that's a that's a nice story in itself. So it's not one of these massive commercial gyms, right. uh, it, it relatively small and uh, focused on on fitness in in probably more comprehensive way uh, than uh, you know. I, I tried for a while before the pandemic to go to a, a 
a gym that was basically one of the managers was Brooke Stenick, one of my former students, maybe in your classes. Mm. And uh, it, I I felt pretty good there. You know, they treated me with kindness, being the oldest person in, in the room with hundreds of people. Uh, and I tried stuff. Uh, but there was, you know, being sort of culture sensitive as, as I had to be as a sociologist, I, I started to wonder if because they were pulling in so many people to build numbers, which is obviously understandable, that um, each time, you know, I went, it seemed less personal. And mm. it's not fair to them at all. And I won't mention the name of the company. But uh, as it turned out, um, when the pandemic hit and Brooke was one of my episodes, they they basically, you know, left a lot of people just, you know, obviously they couldn't be open, but they didn't do much for the people who had committed themselves to building up those particular uh, entities. So it was tough to see. And I, my sense of my sense was that that's ultimately is not how you can thrive as a, as even as a member, because you want to be where people say, Oh, Hey, Brittany, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. I, I noticed your chart. It's fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah, I think the the personal element is really important. And with something like CrossFit, it's so unique and tailored to each individual person. So when you walk in the door, I need to know all of my athletes' names, what's going on in their life, what kind of injuries they have, where they're at in terms of what did this person do last week? What should I recommend to them this week? So I think that that is what keeps people coming back and they make friends in the gym and they um, build that community and the relationships. And that's, that's what keeps people there is the, the personal social, um, the social aspect. Yeah, of I agree. I mean, as you said, we can pick up a piece of weight anywhere. I've got a couple in the closet there. Uh, but uh, I'm actually now that golf is over and I went to golf in part because I liked the people who greeted me each morning. Mm -hmm. I liked people who said, hey, Dave, you know, would you like to play with us? The social aspect of golf was very important to me. As um, And by the way, I got two holes in one this summer. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I'm not as bad a golfer as when Peter used to tease me. I'm, I got better at it. Not not great, but I got two holes in one. And, and the odds of that happening for someone who's a... Uh, uh, not the most proficient golfer out in the course was pretty damn good. So I felt good about that. And I got That's a lot really of, cool. a lot of people said, thank you know, gave me some nice words on that. <laughs> <Congratulations>. <laughs> so as you know, this podcast is all about me. <laughs> the, uh, the, there is a lot, there is a last thing that I would like to explore. Uh, you you basically made a hell of a study of leadership and you're living it now and you're giving in it as a coach. Uh, is there anything about leadership now that, you know, it's like Brittany's theory of leadership behavior that, you know, that, you know, is itching in your head. I, uh, this some discovery about leadership that you think if you were back in the academic side of things, you'd probably write a paper about. Mm. One of the things that I've seen to be true, at least within, with, within my work and my team is, so my team is mostly remote, totally dispersed all over the country. The, my, our leader and my leader's leader, um, they're totally opposite ends of 
the country. And we operated virtually for almost all of 2022. And I think we were doing fine. Our team was doing pretty good. But we had in October, we had an, an offsite meeting where the entire team flew to Hartford and met in person for the first time and just spent two or three full days together. And I think ever since that meeting, where we had conversations about things other than work and you get to know someone face to face. I think our teams operated on like a whole different level. And I don't think we need to do that type of meeting more than maybe once or twice a year. But there was like a very clear and distinct line in the sand before and after that meeting. So I think that's what I realized that it's really, really important to have at least an introduction face to face. I don't think I think people can work remotely effectively. Um, but I think having at least very infrequent in-person interactions is really, really important for the leaders and for the, the teammates with each other. So that that was trans transformative in a way, wasn't it, to have those two so. or three days. And here's my guess, um, and in and among the for formal aspects of it, maybe some presentations, there's a hell of a lot of conversation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a lot of give and take right and uh uh i was the other strand of my interest somewhat more involved with my son on this side is this conversation itself and the magic of two people doing what we've done now for the last 25 or 30 minutes exchanging views digging in but also most importantly making a bond are restoring in our case the bond because we haven't seen each other in a long while. Mm -hmm. That's so important conversation. Uh, so, thank you for giving me a chance to have one with you, Brittany. Ernst, you are you are uh, beyond wonderful. Thank you. It's always a pleasure talking to you, and um, I really appreciate it. And it makes me think about all of this in a different way too. So, thank you for forcing me to step back and just kind of reflect on how all the pieces relate to each other and um, just great conversations so thanks Doc. practice is a way of being <laughs> <laughs> it really is thanks for listening to the practice podcast where we discuss practice with a capital p if you'd like to hear more listen in on spotify automatic Apple Podcasts or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Oh, oh, how could I have forgotten? Our digital book on practice as a way of being is now available. You'll find it online at www.mylibrary.world. I worked on that book after Peter passed away, and I think you will find it a unique and very, very mobile reading experience since it's wherever your screen is in hand or at hand.